entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon FXPG Public Radio or its sponsors. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. As you can see, I lost a fight with a lawnmower. If you are watching, you have to become a patron. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio to see exactly what I'm talking about. And my what I'm talking about is that for those of you who are upset or offended by my uh, Are You That Bored rant last week, uh, this, is, this is my response to you, is that um, uh, this is what I do when I'm bored. I'll just start messing with my hair and start looking like the dude from Prodigy. I'm the fire starter. Wicked fire starter. Anyway, so this is what I do for fun. And uh, doesn't get anybody hurt. Nothing burns down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, isn't it, aren't we at the point, really, where prodigy jokes are kind of dad jokes? Am I that old? Speaking of prodigy, stay away from barbiturates, kids. Just a, just a little bit of advice from prodigy. I mean, I think that all of prodigy's music is basically, you know, stay away from barbiturates and admitting that you're an arsonist. Anyway, thanks for listening to Shock Monkey Radio. Like I said, I am the madman, and I do mad things like this every now and then. So I had a nightmare last night, and uh, I had a nightmare that I called out a hit on somebody. Uh, the details are all fuzzy, and I'm glad I wrote something down uh, so that I can remember the details, because I would have forgot about this. You know how dreams go. Um, so I'd hired a guy to do it for me, and for some reason, I was able to pay for the hit, and I was able to even pay for the the weapon to be used, which apparently was a desert eagle. Apparently, I wanted to uh, to kill this guy with a desert eagle, and I uh, it was specific. It's like a real desert eagle, not one of those fake knock knockoffs, cheap knockoffs. So I I called the hit in, and I was just sitting at home waiting for the word that it was done. And my mind was swimming with all these thoughts. It's like, have I secured my place in hell? What about his wife and kids? What if we get caught? What will people think and say? And so, tortured by these thoughts, I awoke with a jolt, ran to my computer to do a Google search on Kevin Smith murdered. To my relief, all I found was some guy with the same name who murdered, murdered somebody else. So, I don't know what the hell this dream is about. I feel like Nebuchadnezzar screaming, somebody find me a Daniel to explain to me what the fuck this dream meant. You know, that Daniel from the Bible, he, uh, <laughs> he had to be the biggest bullshit that ever exists. I mean... I mean, that guy, he must have, uh, yeah, I don't, I, but I still can't think of a reason or how. I can't even think of one reason how we got past the lion's den. Carol fucking Baskin. Anyway, short of an actual miracle. Anyway, so I just want to go on record, Kevin Smith, and say I did not put out a hit on you. I just had a nightmare that I did. And that's why I call it a nightmare. Uh, it's, it's one of the more comfortable nightmares I had recently. But that being said, I mean, I call it a nightmare because it's something I don't want to happen. I, I don't want Kevin Smith to uh, to actually be killed. No, the, even my my woke, my awake and rational mind is more interested in killing Jason Mewes, and I really don't have a good reason for that either. It's just a gut feeling I have. Anyway, sorry, Kevin Smith. No, no offense. If you want to tell people I dream about you, go ahead. That's that's one way to that's to take away the positive from this Kevin Smith. That dude, that madman dude, he dreams about me. Anyway, we had a little bit of technical difficulties 
uh, at the beginning of the show. And um, so I'm going to try to get through these topics as much as I can. Because I actually wrote a lot this week. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about anger management in the times of coronavirus and riots. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been angry the last couple of weeks. And I'm willing to bet that you have too. I've been so angry that I did this to my head. Okay? So here's the thing when it comes to anger management in the times of coronavirus and the riots. You have to ask yourself, what is making me angry? Is it the news? Is it social media? Is it the fact that people are misinformed assholes? And I say, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when it comes to the news, uh, you don't have to read it. You don't, I know it's stuffed down your throat in the information age. It's like every time you log on to social media and so forth, everyone's posting these news, art, news articles. And it's all kind of designed to make you angry. All of the, the, the journalism in many ways is designed to make you angry. And I find that even conservative uh, uh, people are falling into this trap. It's like, we got bad news for you. Aren't you pissed? Be sure to share. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe because that's how news organizations get money these days is by clicks. They, they don't sell ads in actual newspapers anymore. They sell, sell ads on websites. And so when you share an article and somebody else clicks on it because they, some genius over at the New York Times wrote a, uh, a clickbait title, clickbait headline, you know, that drives traffic to their website. Hell, EK and I are talking about how to drive traffic to our website, and it's like, well, controversial statements, stuff that pisses people off. That'll drive traffic to your website, and that's what gets you advertised, and that's what makes you money. So you don't, you don't have to read the news. In fact, you don't even have to read social media at all. I mean, especially if you're getting angry at it. If the things that are in it make you angry and they raise your blood pressure and stuff, you should not be doing it. Now, it doesn't matter where you stand in the political aisle. I think we could all use to step, uh, use a, 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 a second to step back away from social media and away from the 24-hour news cycle. You know, read, some, read a book, read something else. You know, you don't have to be this engaged in news and politics all the time. When I was a kid in the 90s, you know, 80s and 90s, nobody really talked about politics. Now you can't even go on Tinder without, say, without seeing a bunch of, bunch of chicks saying Trump supporters swipe left, which is the, if you like them, you swipe right. Okay, so Trump supporters swipe left. Why is politics in your initial meeting of somebody? You don't talk politics to like the third date maybe. So the fact is, is that maybe you should stop. Maybe you should stop reading the news, being so involved in the news. Back in the day, you know, people would get the news once a week. People, like people who would read the paper, uh, there were people who read the paper daily, and then there were people who only got the Sunday paper so they'd catch up on what, what happened in the week. And the Sunday paper, in many ways, is like all the news of the week. But it's different now. There's a 24-hour news cycle. Every single morning, we can get up and read the news. And it's, necessarily not, it's not necessarily healthy for everybody. So here's a few anger management techniques that I've learned over the years that have helped me control my anger because you cannot uh, threaten your chief petty officer when you're in the Navy um, without ending up in an anger management class. That's something I found out through trial and error. So I'm going to pass on this information to you through the miracle of writing, internet, literature. So um, deep breathing is always good, you know, just... 
in through nose, out through mouth, like Dan, like Danielson does, you know, wax it on and wax it off, you know. Breathing is a core in in many things to anything like physical activity. Breathing is a core in many to a prayer or meditation and so forth, and that's good for you. It's like you start feeling freaked out. Breathe. Calm down. St. Paul seems to be okay. You know, you can, deep breathing can have a lot of good effects on you. Exercise is also good. Um, uh, I, when it comes to me, I always recommend highway screaming. Now, if you are just really all amped up and so forth, I would suggest getting in your car, rolling up all your windows. I know it's hot out there, so crank that AC. And get on the highway where you're going 65, 70 miles an hour. And once the hum of the road is so loud that nobody in the car near you can hear you, just scream your head off. Scream so loud that it hurts your ears. It hurts your throat. Get it out of your system. I've found that that is a, like a pressure valve for me. You know, you don't want to do it when you're stopped at a red light downtown, okay? Just with your windows down and no, no, no radio on. Just, ah! You might get a cop looking at you funny or something like that. You don't want to do that downtown. That's why I recommend going on the highway to do it. Um, I also like beating the shit out of my bed, just punching it, punching the crap out of my bed. Um, some could say that that's not a healthy way to express your anger or frustration. Um, but I found that, you know, that's a, a real release because I can, like every single time I punch the bed, another face flashes in my mind and, you know, it makes me feel better. And I mean, uh, I even went to the point where, uh, where I'd like shoot targets, go to the gun range and shoot targets and p- picture faces on there too. Probably not the healthiest thing to do, but I found that that works for me. I mean, I'm lucky that I've been able to find medication that uh, has helped me, you know, uh, uh, deal with my anger better, has made my depression more manageable. I'm lucky in that regard. And if I feel weird going by the moniker madman, uh, in, in an era where I feel like I'm the sanest person in town sanest person in America because I'm not, I don't, I don't feel the need to freak out about anything. Let the wheels of justice turn. It's not as fast as the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. Uh, deep breathing, highway screaming, punching the bed, uh, blaming God. This is, um, I like doing this one because God can handle your anger and God is bigger than you and he could smite you. You know, any second. I don't, I, you're probably not religious. I am. And I believe in God. And so I like to blame God. I like to, you know, get on the highway and start screaming. And it's like, why did you create us? You know, and make us, make so many of us evil, you know, or seemingly evil. You know, why can't you just intervene? Why can't you just make things better? You know, and the only thing we can come to understand is that, you know, I just put it on God. It's like, you made this mess. Put all that stress is like, you made this mess. That's not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. And you try, try to get through your life. That's helped me in some ways. But because uh, God, I mean, you know, he could just strike you down if he wanted to, if he really took it that personally. But, you know, I, I imagine, you know, God up there in heaven is like, hey, Jesus, how many how many prayers we got today? It's like, oh, over 18 billion. Uh, just reply all. Go fuck yourself, whiny little bitches. And so that's. That's how I think uh, God would would look at us because we don't understand his plan and we don't understand where all of this, uh, everything that's going on today in our culture and our lives, how that fits into God's plan. So that's the tricky part. I just say, blame him. It's his fault. (laughs) 
and uh, you can go about your life and go to my, what I call the third stage, enhance your mellow, chill out, be more chill, mind your own business, don't get involved in other people's affairs, you know, don't feel the need to go out there and uh, like point out, look, there's a witch, let's burn her, except, I mean, I mean, look, there's a racist, let's burn them on social media, you know, I mean, that's exactly where the phrase witch hunt comes from, is from the insane stuff that happened in Europe and in the uh, United States. Uh, what, turn of the 17th century? 18th century? I can't remember when exactly. 1620s, I want to say. I might be wrong. But the, the term witch hunt is, is a, was a religious fervor that passed through these, these uh, Christian communities where they said, you know, oh, it says here in the Bible, can't suffer a witch to live, you know, you know all that other stuff. And it's like, well, if God says witches are real, that means evil magic is real, and that means we got to find the witches. <clears throat> and so they go out there and they start looking for witches to burn, except in this day and age, it's racist. You know, we got to find a, a racist to dox on social media. That's the new religious fervor. And that's what this is. That's what this is. This is a religious movement. In a lot of people, you have, you have, uh, you have disavowed religion. A lot of these people have disavowed religion, do not believe in a God or a higher power. And so, the religion has become the religion of the social justice warrior. Step in line or we'll burn you on social media. But enhance your mellow. You got to let all this stuff go. I know it's all swimming in my head and it can't even get out of my own, uh, what's the word? Out of my own lexicon, in my own monologue here. I can't even get out of it. But I feel like I deal with it better. I don't let it like... Uh, pump the heart so much i don't let it you know let my veins get all hypertensed you know got to keep that blood pressure down enhance your mellow mind your own business and do something crazy with your hair punch your bed scream on the highway blame god chill goose fraba anyway uh centaur sex um so i was talking with ek and scott wharton a couple uh <clears throat> weeks ago now i'm surprised this conversation hadn't come up yet but we're talking about centaurs you know the half human half horse thing so um it's a terrifying creature monsters to be sure terrifying creature are centaurs but you know if they do exist and they which they don't if they did exist and they did have sex because you would assume that they're a mammal of some sort even if a hybrid mammal it's like a platypus in many ways and so it's um but they, it, so it would have sex. Centaurs would have sex. Now, I just want to th- point out that the centaur is half horse and half human, but it's at the right angle to each other, or right angle to each other. So sex between centaurs has got to be weird. Let's talk about foreplay at first. Um, right, off the, right off the top, you got to say, like, brushes have to be involved in some way. Uh, number two, like, the foreplay would all happen, like, face-to-face, you know? And they're all, you know, like you do the kissing and the touching and stuff like that. Then when it's time for the act, you got to like jostle around in the pen, you know, in the, in the crate, in the, in the metal box that we keep these monsters in. All right. And so they got to jostle around and then the male gets on top, I guess. And then he's sitting there looking at the sky, staring at the sun because he's, he's at an angle like this, a 45 degree angle and then another, another 45 degree angle. And so he's just looking at the sun or maybe he's looking right down past his stomach looking down past the stomach to see the top of her head. 
I don't know. It seems like a weird Tetris-like puzzle, the idea of these creatures having sex. So I don't understand. Like, could, could they even 69? Think about the. I think it's physically impossible for them to do that because of the right angles. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, why, is I, why am I thinking about all this? Again. And yeah, how would oral sex work? You know, I guess you could work it out, but, you know, you, the guy gets up on, a, like, stands up his front legs up on a rock and she goes down under him, or maybe she goes, ugh, why this, you know, this has been boggling my mind since we had this conversation over the last couple of weeks. Maybe that's why it took so long for me to uh, address it is because I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea of centaurs having sex. Thank God they don't really exist. And so the only, the only really, the only conclusion that I can come to about this centaurs <laughs> and why they exist, even in fiction, is that the Greeks came up with this thing specifically for these kinds of absurd conversations. You know how the Greeks were. You know how the Greeks were. Let's talk about half horse, half, half human things banging. <sighs> okay, uh, so... Let's talk about Netflix a little bit. I watched a movie on Netflix called John Henry, and it's really good. Um, it's a Terry Crews and Chris Bridges movie. Chris Bridges, as you might know, as Ludacris. And respect, bro. I'll, I'll, I'll call you Chris Bridges. I understand if you want to get under a name like Ludacris. <laughs> if you want to be known as Chris Bridges, I'll respect that. Um, anyway, so Terry Crews and Chris Bridges put together, they were both producers and actors in the movie. Uh, they put together this flick, and it's a really damn good. It, um I love realistic crime stories that, tro that show the truly dangerous nature of criminal culture. And I, I love this, and I always love a story about a guy trying to get out of the gang life because I think that, uh, that the toughest fight a man could go through in their life is, is probably trying to get out of a gang. Um, I'm sure I know a lot of veterans and stuff like that who you know, have horrible war stories and stuff. But it, when you, in the gang life, in America, uh, your enemy is not usually friends, family, or other Americans. And so I think that that makes uh, gang life, or escaping gang life, gang life unique. Um, yeah, so there was a bunch of these 90s videotape segments uh, scattered throughout the film. They were very well produced, and they, uh, they looked real. They looked like real 1990s footage, and I don't know if they were or not, but I mean, it, it looked pretty good. I don't think it was real, because they had the same actors. So, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the the my, those were my favorite segments in that in that uh, in that regard is that they had these uh, '90s clips from uh, when they were young, because this takes place in place when they're in the like '40s or older men. Um, yeah, and so the opening scene in the movie is one of those where it says uh, John Henry having a conversation with his dad, and um, the way they open the movie is just so damn brilliant. It said. Uh, this is the dad speaking, and he says, I said, my boy is strong. His name is John Henry. What are you going to do with all that strength, John? And, oh, it's a powerful way to open a movie because it, it, you know, sometimes men, they grow, they grow strong. You know, you grow strong at a certain age, you, you know, and you got to start asking yourself, it's like, I'm strong. What am I going to do with it? And I think that that's a very good way to open a movie. Well done, gentlemen. Um, so it, and it perfectly set the tone of the film. Uh, so Terry Crews, he's a, who's actually turning into a pretty decent actor, isn't he? Um, he plays this John Henry guy, big and tough. He started uh, gangbanging when he was young. Uh, ended up doing some things that didn't sit, sit well with him uh, because of it. 
and so he tried to get out of the gang lifestyle. And all this is happening in the 90s, and most, but most of the film takes place in uh, modern day. So uh, John Henry is 40-something in the main part of the movie. So um, I don't really agree with how they dealt with illegal immigrants in the movie. However, I mean, when people are getting killed in your neighborhood, I, your priorities change. You kind of got to see the movie for, for that to make sense. But I, so I get that. But John is trying to help out these illegal immigrants who are being hunted by his old gangbanger cousin, uh, the supervillain Chris Bridges, and he looks like a supervillain. This this movie looks like it could have been a comic book first. Uh, and so, yeah, supervillain Chris Bridges, and this aspect of the movie is my favorite part. Uh, being a good man, uh, being a good man is the best fight a man could take up in his life. However, that fight isn't just a one day thing when you tell your cousin that you're out of the gang life. All right, because that's something that happened in the '90s in the '90s clips, and. Yeah, and it's, a, it's not just a fight that happens on one day. It's a fight that lasts the rest of your life. And that's what it's like. I mean, that's what it's like when you choose to fight the good fight. It's like you, you have to fight that every day. You have to fight the good fight every day. You have to take up your cross every single day and fight against the forces of evil. And that's what I like about this Terry Crews character, John Henry, is because I mean, he was this you know, old head. He was an older, older guy, um, a middle-aged guy trying to you know, do the right thing. His whole life, you know, since since the mistakes he made in his youth. And I can respect that. I really can. I really do find that to be a good story. But, I mean, once you make the decision to fight the good fight, you're fighting that fight for the rest of your life. You could be a gangbanger and fight that fight your whole life. Or you could choose to fight the good fight and fight that fight the rest of your life. Apparently, you're fighting no matter what you do in life. So, And I think that's an excellent message to pass on to a, young, a younger generation. Uh, there's also, like, a subtext theme in the whole movie where it's like, you should listen to your elders, you know, listen to the old heads. You don't live to be 82 years old without gaining some wisdom, respect your elders, you know? So the soundtrack is pretty great and it fits the film. So I give John Henry 10 out of 13 stars. It's kind of slow in the first half. Then it gets someone rushed and choppy near the end, but all in all, it's an excellent story that was expertly shot and produced. Check it out. Well done. Terry Crews. And Chris Bridges, a.k.a. Ludacris. So here we are, 631. I think we're on pace right now. I think I got ahead of the pace. Good. So this is the news worth knowing. Mm. That is delicious beer. Okay. So uh, we're going to see a lot of businesses leave uh, metropolitan areas in the coming months probably years because of the uh, lack of law enforcement in urban centers in America. So here's our first story. It's a manufacturing company in Minneapolis since 1987 leaving city after the violent protests. Uh, the Minneapolis uh, manufacturing company whose plant burned down amid civil unrest following George, George Floyd's death is leaving the city after nearly four decades and taking dozens of jobs with it. The president over Seven Sigma Inc., Chris why Robeck uh, felt inclined to do so uh, after he says he lost the trust in the public officials during the riots that plagued the city, according to the Star Tribune. Quote, they don't care about my business, he said to the Star Tribune. They didn't protect our people. We were all on our own. The company, which designs and manufactures polymer solutions and precision metal components, has been operating in South Minneapolis since 1987. The city will effectively lose 50 jobs when Wyrobeck, I hope I'm 
pronouncing that right, bro. I'm sorry. Uh, takes his business elsewhere, according to the outlet. Uh, he isn't alone in his frustration. The city of Minneapolis says the looting and property damage has already caused at least $55 million in destruction so far. Oh, excuse me. The violence followed the death of Floyd, a black man who died May 25th. Uh, you, you know about what happened there. It's a shame. Damn shame. Although first-term Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry uh, quickly expressed outrage and called for charges against the officer, he faced backlash for failing to quell the destruction. Governor Tim Walz, like Fry, a Democrat, criticized the abject failure of the city's response and called on the National Guard at the mayor's request to help restore peace. On the first night of the protests, Bob Rebecca shut down uh, operations down and sent his employees home hours early, the outlet reported. He took action after employees noticed a fire that broke out at the affordable housing complex next door. Although the fire engine was outside the building, he recalled that they wouldn't do anything. Jeez Louise. Fry told the Star Tribune he was unaware, unaware of the decision to leave, but said every fire truck was operating during the unprecedented crisis. Quote, this is a guard-sized crisis and demanded a guard-sized response, Fry said. And once we had the full presence of the National Guard, which, by the way, hasn't been deployed since World War II, there is a significantly different result. Seven Sigma Inc. was not able to be reached for comment by phone or email. Representatives for the city, including, including Major, uh, Mayor <laughs> Jacob Fry, have not responded to Fox Business's request for comment. Fry is now asking for state and federal aid to help rebuild after the civil unrest. Until that happens, community members are pitching in to support Minneapolis neighborhoods. You know, you're going to start seeing a lot of this. Businesses moving out of cities because, you know, the 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 liberal people who are in control of these cities are screwing up left and right, left and right. You know, uh, he's right in saying it was a guard sized response. You know, he's a little bit of a salty bitch by saying we haven't done this since World War Two. It's like, well, that's why the National Guard is there. That's what it's there for, for when you uh, your police agencies aren't able to do their job because of your stupid liberal policies. So you're going to start seeing a migration of businesses moving out of these major metropolitan areas and going to other metropolitan areas and probably turning them into major metropolitan areas. You could see a, a, a shift, a shift in um, population, you know. For example, I live in Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And obviously the big population centers in, the Virginia, in Virginia are Northern Virginia, Alexandria and the like, uh, Richmond, and uh, the Hampton Roads area. You got Roanoke and Lynchburg and so forth. But what you're going to see is that you're going to see businesses move out of like places like Richmond and D.C., uh, Alexandria, or even Hampton Roads and go to places like Roanoke or Lynchburg and so forth and go to these smaller cities out in the country where these country cops can actually are actually able to do their job because of conservative people who are voted into office that allow them to do their job. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. Uh, Louisiana, Louisiana boaters found alive after vessel sank during tropical storm Cristobal. Pair clung to a life jacket overnight. Now, uh, <laughs> Scott Wharton, he liked every single post I made in, in, the, in the group uh, of all these news articles and stuff, except this one. And I think he doesn't understand that this is, this is a nightmare fuel for people who have served in the Navy. Uh, so, two boaters who were reported missing during as Tropical Storm Cristobal made landfall along Louisiana co Louisiana's coast 
were found alive on Monday after the pair clung to a life jacket overnight and drifted into Lake... Oh, French words. Pontchartrain. Pontchartrain. According to officials. The St. Tammany Parish Sheriff's Office. French words. The St. Tammany's Parish Sheriff's Office said in a news uh, release that Ted Roach and Jennifer Lingoni were located at 1.30 p.m. on Monday, nearly 24 hours after they were reported missing. U.S. Coast Guard said a pair had left Salt Bayou near Slidell, Louisiana, at 1 p.m. on Sunday on a 20-foot yellow skiff but never returned. They told officials their boat capsized near Treasure Island uh, Sunday afternoon, and they drifted and uh, swam using a shared life jacket and various pieces of marine debris Sunday night until they were able to stand in approximately five feet of water. We had one life jacket between the both of us, and I uh, picked up a big log to float for both of us. Wow. Roach told Fox 8 on Monday. I wasn't going to let nothing happen to her, but we made it all right. After, why do they try to get quotes right as they drag these guys out of the water? That's what I <laughs> I know you're exhausted, but <laughs> give us something. Give us a sound bite. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm tired. Anyway, uh, after making it to shore at Goose Point sometime Monday morning, the two swam across the marsh area and sought refuge at camp, at a camp near Bio Lacombe, where they were uh, located by the afternoon, according to police. Ugh, Louisiana's weird. Marshes and swamps, they're weird. Uh, damn, she's kind of cute. Anyway, uh, Roach's sister, Glennis Carruthers, shared photos of the two on Facebook after being rescued on Monday, writing, they swam all night. Oh, that sounds exhausting and terrifying. Roach told Fox 8, it's typical to go out in the water uh, when the storms blow through the region for cra- crabbing and shrimping. Uh, but this time his boat motor died and he was in the middle of the lake. Ugh. The boat ban- then began to sink, sending the two uh, into the water as the tropical storm approached. Pair told Fox 8 that they estimate the storm took them more than 24 miles around the lake before they were finally able to be rescued about 13 miles from where the boat ended up sinking. A Coast Guard helicopter air crew, the Tammany uh, Parish Sheriff's Office, and the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries were all involved in the search for the two boaters. Uh, as they floated in the water, Roach said the pair tried to flag down some help from search crews overhead but were not spotted. Oh, so terrifying. Quote, it's miserable watching the people fly over. You're waving at them and you uh, spend so much energy trying to stay afloat that they fly right over you. They don't even see you, he told Fox 8. That is 100% true. That is 100% true. When you're in the water and there's uh, air crews like flying over looking for you, even ships looking for you, it is super hard to spot people in the water. Oh, it's so, so bad. So scary. Uh, when the two were finally able to make it into an area where they were able to stand, Roach said they treaded for miles through a marsh and flooded roadway, which sucks, which means they're muddy as hell. <laughs> Quote, I had no shirt on. I wish I had kept my shirt because I, um, I would have not got all cut up on my chest and stomach. All my legs, feet, knees, and everything's all cut up. Coast Guard officials said the two were able to get to a home and uh, get the attention of a good Samaritan who was able to contact authorities. Oh, y'all's boat sank. Come on in. I got some shrimp cooking for you. Something like that, I imagine. I can't do a Cajun accent. Just trying to add some levity to this terrifying situation. Sorry. Uh, both were checked by medical professional by medical personnel and found to be in safe and stable condition. Scott Talbot of the U.S. Coast Guard in New Orleans said in a news release that persons should reconsider going on on the water during a tropical storm. 
Uh, unpredictable sea conditions, winds, and currents can cause even the most experienced of mariners to get into trouble. Uh, those same conditions make it very difficult to locate mariners in distress by aircraft and vessels trying to search, Talbot said. Yeah, Crystal Ball, uh, now a tropical depression, is bringing heavy rain uh, into the Midwest and expected to merge with another system by Wednesday morning. If Crystal Ball stays a tropical depression by the time it reaches Wisconsin, it will be the first for the state. The only other uh, tropical systems have tracked across Wisconsin since records began. The, the weather stuff. Yeah, so uh, the the reason why, you know, spending 24 hours or you know, all night holding on to a life jacket and swimming, hoping to find something like a marsh, because a, believe it or not, a marsh is better than the open ocean. Nightmare fuel for Navy people and Coast Guard people, I guess. Anyway, let's go on to this next story about this guy who's just trying to stay Trying to stay relevant, but it's over, bro. Your 15 minutes is over, bro. Tiger King Joe Exotic says husband abandoned him. And he begs Donald Trump, Cardi B, and Kim Kardashian for help. What a motley crew of friends that you want. (laughs) Joe Exotic asked Donald Trump, Cardi B, and Kim Kardashian uh, for help in a desperate plea to rescue him from life behind bars, where he says his husband has abandoned him. (laughs) You don't say. The Tiger King star, whose real name is Who Cares, is uh, currently traveling, currently serving time in prison for his role in a failed murder-for-hire plot against his former rival. Big Cat Rescue CEO Carol, Carol fucking Baskin. The duo's feud was the subject of the the immensely popular Netflix documentary series, well, you've seen it, right? (laughs) The former zookeeper uh, penned a letter obtained by TMZ. (laughs) TMZ is the ones that wants that, right? Uh, in which he declares that the pandemic is over and calls, calls on the president to make good on his promise to look into a pardon for him. Quote, just, uh, just would be like, just, just would like to be my own voice for a change. Thank you all so much for the support and love from all around the world. Joe's letter begins. The pandemic, pandemic is over. And now I ask you to ask President Trump to keep his word. And look into making this wrong, a right, and give me grant me a miracle. M I R I C L E. Spelling in check. S I C. From there, the letter takes a dark turn as he says, "My soul is dead," and suggests that all of his friends are too busy being famous off a of Tiger King to care about him in prison. <laughs> Specifically, he calls out his husband, Dylan Passage. I struggle every day to hold on to what little hope I can find. They keep me locked down 24-7 with no phone, email, or commissary. And you will never understand the mental abuse that that does to a person, he writes. I shouldn't do an, I shouldn't do an accent if he's writing it. Okay. I don't even know if I'm married anymore. Seems I don't think you ever were, dude. Um, I don't even know if I'm married anymore. Seems like everyone is so busy making money and being famous that I don't even get a letter from Dylan. Do you, do you think that D- Dylan is famous now? Do you think he will continue to be famous? Anyway, elsewhere in the letter, Joe writes, if he has moved on, he should tell me. <laughs> he was never in there. <laughs> anyway, uh, if he hasn't, I am begging to begging to support me. Sad to be dumped like a dog in a shelter, but that's how it feels. 
Joe goes on to implore people to stop sending him pictures of Dylan living his life and having fun with friends <laughs> that's having a negative impact on his mental health in prison. Why can't you wrap around the, your head around the fact that these dudes weren't gay? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> it's over for this guy. It's, uh, it's over. Uh, the letter made its way to Dylan, who posted on Instagram that he's still very much committed to the former zookeeper. Quote, I love Joe and I'm standing by him. The photos that I post are the are a highlight reel of my life. What you don't see are the hours that I'm all alone at home, missing my husband and my friend. He, Dylan wrote, I've been writing letters and it's a shame to hear that he isn't receiving them. I know they limit the amount that he can read in a week and I only hope they eventually get to him. Joe, I hope this reaches you too. I know, know that I love you and I'm fighting for you every day. Joe's letter goes on to state that he feels mistreated in prison. He alleges that he's not allowed to receive the medical care uh, he needs for various conditions to make his chilling prediction that I'll be dead within two or three months. He's a caustic guy, isn't he? He also mentions George Floyd, whose death in police custody sparked protests all over the country while comparing their respective cases. I don't use this phrase that often, Joe Exotic. But that's white privilege. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click off this article because your 15 minutes is over. And... You and Carol Baskin seem guilty AF. Anyway. 15 minutes of fame. Just like Tom Green, you're gone. Uh, Ben Carson on defunding police. People will realize how irrational it is. That's a quote. Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson called on the idea of defunding police departments irrational and claimed that even people who are calling for it now will realize it in time. Calls for defunding or even disbanding police departments have gained momentum among Democrats in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. This is a quote. Well, it's low-income it's low communities where the police are needed the most, Carson said Tuesday ahead of the Senate committee. Uh, ooh. Ahead of a Senate committee banking, housing, and urban affairs committee he hearing. Quote, places where there's a lot of criminal activity, obviously you need to have police. So as usual, when people make decisions when they're, too, when they're emotional and they're angry, they don't think it through, and that's what this is. It will go away. When people have time to think about how, think, think it through and realize how irrational it is. Following Floyd's death in Minneapolis, that city's council members have indicated they have enough votes to disband their police department. Liberals have suggested that communities would be better served via alternative alternative social programs. Social programs are important, Carson said, and they're part of the, of the entire system, but they're not the front line. When somebody is committing a crime, that's just silly. Several top Democrats have come out uh, against defunding police. Uh, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey said Sunday that it, it is not a slogan I will use. Good for you, Senator Booker. On Monday, presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign released a statement saying Biden does not believe that police should be defunded. Good for you, creepy Uncle Joe. So I, I think Ben Carson's right on this. I mean, it's like people are just way too emotional and they're just, <laughs> you don't defund the entire police department. Are you crazy? If anything, you should give them more money for training, more money for oversight, for more investigations into violent acts that happened between police officers and the public. Not just not just people of any of, of any specific race. 
to oversight of any violent incident involving a police officer in the public. Give them, they're going to need more money for more body cameras. They're going to need more money for more training. They're going to need more money for more oversight. You don't defund the police. People who are calling to defund the police are people who want to tear down this country. They want lawless, lawlessness in the streets. God forbid those lawless Antifa soy boys get out, of this, out into the suburbs. They're going to start dropping like flies. We wouldn't even have to use guns. You can just beat those guys up. They're... <laughs> no protein, just soy protein. You're going down, bro. Let's go on this next story. You got 10 minutes left. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah, a Florida sheriff speaks out on talking on taking a knee with demonstrators. Orange County Sheriff John Mina, Mina, let's go with Mina, explained to Fox News that it was important for him to, quote, listen and to hear, listen to and to hear the anger and frustration of Orlando, Florida demonstrators protesting the death of George Floyd, the black man who died last week in police custody in Minneapolis. Uh, Mina credited the young man, young men that he was speaking to at the protest for, ask, uh, for asking both himself and Orlando Police Chief Orlando Rolon to kneel with him in a moment of solidarity. Quote, the two young gentlemen asked us to kneel, and we said, why don't we kneel and pray? He explained Mina. And so we did. I think that sent a great message not only to the people protesting out there, but to our officers and our deputies who were watching their two leaders in the Orange County here in Orange County, Neil. Take a knee and listen to what the protesters had to say. Mina sent an email to his Orange County community condemning the indefensible, quote, indefensible and unexplainable and criminal actions of the officers allegedly involved in Floyd's death. Sheriff Mina told Fox News that the Orange County Sheriff's Office has had a use of force policy for decades. Quote, one of the things that is forbidden in our policy is to use is the use of a neck restraint or chokehold so that you... So what you saw the Minneapolis, Minneapolis police officer do, obviously, that's against policy, he said. Not only is it against policy, it is a criminal act. But we've been training for years here on the appropriate use of force. A string of police killings of young men, young black men in 2014 prompted 24 states to quickly pass some, uh, some type of law enforcement reform, but many declined to address police use of force. Six years later, only about a third of states have passed the laws on the issue. As of August 2018, at least 16 states have passed use of force laws, according to the nonpartisan National Conference of State Legislatures. A handful of those directly restricted to what police could do. In Utah and Missouri, for example, uh, force used by officers must be reasonable and necessary. Colorado has banned chokeholds, the maneuver used on Eric Gardner, but uh, the man who was killed at the hands of the police, uh, off, police officers in Staten Island in 2014. Gardner's dying words, I can't breathe, have become a rallying cry across the globe for protests against police brutality. He's the most guilty one of them all. The uh, other states created task force that set new standards, boosted training, and improved tracking of officers' use of guns and deadly force. Sheriff Mina told Fox News that he does not have any issue with making some kind of national standard when it comes to use of force policies. Sheriff Mina is open to new ways of protecting the community and explained that it is important to keep an open dialogue with the community. Oftentimes, he says, citizens have come up with a number of ideas and recommendations that law enforcement should implement. Quote, there are some things that we have to look at with an open mind and say, you know what, maybe we need to take a second look at it, he said. Law enforcement, our profession, has been making incremental changes in the past several years, uh, and we are improving as a profession. 
We just got we just got to get better. And certainly we're open to ideas and recommendations from the people that we protect and serve. Absolutely. I will take a knee with you and pray for our nation with you. Absolutely. There are things that are concerning to everybody, including police officers, including the majority of police officers who are good officers. Absolutely. You want me to kneel in front of you? Fuck you. That's insane. All you people out there kneeling in front of black people, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'll pray with you, but I'm not going to kneel in front of you like I've, I, I personally have sinned against you. Like I'm asking you to marry me. Like I'm worshiping a king or queen. You people kneeling in front of anybody, what's wrong with you? Democratic senators and representatives. Anyway, but absolutely, I will get on my knees and pray for this nation alongside you. Even if I do it on my own or even if I'm with you, if you want me to sit down, sit down, put my knees to the ground and pray with you so we can both voice our anger and stress and offer it up to the Lord, absolutely. Come running up to me and demand it. You might get shot. (laughs) You're lucky you're running up on liberal white women. What's up with that? Asking them to kneel for you. It's like the beginning of a bad porno. Anyway, last story. I'm trying to keep these upbeat, but I can't. You know, my dark mind just twists everything. It's so dark. Just twists everything. It's like there's nothing pure in the world. Anyway, uh, let's go to this last story. Police officer prays with protester in Tuck. Uh, touching photo an image of hope in turbulent times shows a police officer praying with a protester in Tennessee it was captured on camera the same day violence broke out in Nashville leaving at least 30 businesses and buildings damaged Fox 17 reported officer Garen Hoskins tasked with protecting the central precinct started talking with a peaceful protester who was preaching about their shared faith the offer asked him if he'd like to pray. The protester put down his sign and the two embraced and prayed. It was very touching, Hoskins told the media. That that gentleman was such a nice guy. I believe it created a solidarity there between him expressing his freedom of speech and me there as a police officer, and that's something the world needs to see. That's an excellent quote taken from this police officer, Hoskins. He also noted that the embrace had an impact on others around them, especially after some rocks were thrown at them. Fox 17 reports that later in the day, 28 people were arrested downtown. Fires were set inside Nash, uh, the National, Nashville Historic Cap, Courthouse and City Hall, and businesses and co- police cars were vandalized. Quote, you can see rioting and looting in all the cities across the United States, Hoskins said. And it, but I think there are things uh, happening outside of those, those images that are real and powerful. And my image happened to be caught at that time. That's true. Those are fleeting images. Fires burn a long time. But two people on opposite sides of the line, embracing and praying together, that's rare and fleeting. Uh, He didn't know the image he caught on camera uh, until the department posted it, and it immediately went viral. Hoskins uh, concluded that the image shows peaceful solidarity between law enforcement and society, showing that there can be a peaceful outcome when both sides come together. Though the two cordially wished each other well, the officer said he'd love to sit down, hang out with a cup of coffee with the protester. 
And I think that that's the point. I think that a lot of you have given up, a lot of these people, excuse me, these protesting people, um, <clears throat> they don't believe in God, they don't have any religion, and now their religion has become this SJW mob. You know, a bow to our will is like, we say there's racist, that, that the entire police in the all of the U.S. is racist, which is absurd, even by number standards. I mean, even if racism were popular in the United States, which it isn't, which it isn't, I invite you to go to any other country in the world and you will see how racism really works in other parts of the world. America is the most tolerant country in the world. And I think that stories like this that show why. It's like you've given up on God and now your religion is this uh, the woke, woke mob. But, you know, there are people who still have faith out there. There are still people struggling about what to do, what to think, what to believe during these tough times. And I think, you know, you got to turn to Jesus. You know, you got to offer up your worries and troubles up to Jesus. It's like uh, put it in his hands. Before you cast that first stone, talk to your fellow man and woman. Talk to them. Ask them to pray with you. Say, yes, you want me to get on my knees because America is hurting? Their America is burning? Absolutely. Let's sit down and pray for our nation. Let's sit down and pray and appeal to God together that we're both scared of what could come in the next year or so. That we're all worried about what's going to happen to America. We're all worried about the racists that could grow out of all these riots. Because you know that's happening, right? A lot of people who, are, who were racist are now even more racist because they see it's like, why is this happening? Because of the blacks. But it, we all know it's not the blacks. It's a bunch of liberal white kids. So, I mean, it's <laughs> but that's the way racists think, you know? And they're going to be even more solidified because of things like this. And that's not true. It's not true. I don't know what color God is. I would, I can't wait to be pleasantly surprised by it. But in the meantime, we all have to live on this earth together. And I humbly suggest that we all get together and pray, have a few jokes, punch a bed, scream on the highway, whatever helps. We can find ways around it. Just give me a call. Send me an email at madmanfxpgpr.com. We could talk about it. We could pray together. I, could, I will pray for you if you like. If you want something you want to talk about, you can end up on the mailbag. We could do it next week or something like that. Just send me an email. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. You get access to all of our video content, and you can see what exactly the hell I did with my hair. Check us out on YouTube. Should look for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. And be sure to check out all the other shows on fxbgpublicradio.com. We got a bunch of stuff, lots of shows. And you, too, if you're in the area and you want to get involved in FXBG Public Radio, uh, get in touch with us. Email, email me at madmanfxbgpr.com or uh, the owner at admin at fxbgpr.com. We'll see what we can do to set you up. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman. I'm praying for you, and I love you.